Welcome to the Aiden Mari podcast and thank you for listening. This is a podcast where we like to explore faith, the Bible, and trying to better follow Jesus. This podcast is a collection of sermons, interviews, and also me just rambling about different things about Christianity or what's on my mind or conversations we're having. We're trying to upload weekly, so hopefully that happens. So I hope you enjoy and let's get on with this week's episode. Um, all right, how many of you guys have ever been to an NHL game? Anyone ever been to an NHL game? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I've been to an NHL game a ton of times in my life, and there is something about being there that is unreal. Like, it, well, maybe if you're not into sports. But for me, when I'm there, man, you put on your jerseys, you show up, you're with a bunch of dudes you've never met before, everybody's cheering, it's really hype, they score, I'm standing up screaming, they mess up, I'm standing up screaming for different reasons. It's a really good time. Uh, I absolutely love hockey games. My favorite team is the Oilers, which is, okay, this is like a mixed reaction. Uh, we've seen better days, seen better days. <laughs> we, have. we are not as good as we were last year, and we're not nearly as good all the other years as we were back in the 80s. But you know what? It's okay. Uh, I show up. I still wear my jersey. Uh, and, and, and the weird thing about being at a hockey game is you'll notice this with hockey fans who are, like, really passionate about their team. They'll start saying, we. Like, they'll be like, we won last night, or uh, we lost, or, man, we're going to win the cup. And, well, I don't say that very often, but other, other people from other teams do. Um, and it's kind of weird. You keep hearing, we, 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 and it's, it's weird because you're like, huh, huh, you're not really playing. Like, <laughs> like, like, let's be honest. Like, you can be a fan, put on a jersey, all that stuff. You can be in the stands. You're not playing the game. You actually have no impact on whether or not the team wins or not. I am not an oiler, uh, but it's weird because we often in sports act like we are. See, I even say <laughs> Like you act like you're on the team. You talk like you're on the team, but you're not. And the weird thing about a hockey game is it's like 50 people who are actually playing that are in desperate need of rest, and there's like 20,000 people who are in desperate need of some exercise. And it's pretty interesting. Um, but... But the thing is, at the end of the day, like, no matter how much I say we, I'm just a fan. And, and no matter how much I like to pretend that, like, I'm an oiler in my brain, I'm, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm not an oiler. I'm not a player. I'm, I'm just a fan. And I think that with Christianity, it's really easy to act this way. It's really easy to act like you're just a fan. In fact, I'd say that a lot of the time... I see a lot of fans, and, and that whole 50, 20,000 thing isn't actually always all that hard off, but the hard thing is, with Christianity, it's harder to spot who's a fan and who's actually a follower. It's, it's, it's hard to see who's, who's just wearing a jersey, pretending like they're here, and who's actually following. Um, and the, the thing is, deep down, the only way you can know is if it's you, but I think a lot of us are just wearing jerseys, pretending that we're on the team, and in all honesty, we're just fans. And see, the thing about following Jesus is you have to actually follow Jesus. It's, it's more than just wearing a jersey. It's more than just saying that you cheer for this team, that you believe there is a God. Uh, it's so much more than that. And so Jesus, in this passage, he wants to ask, are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you someone who follows me? So I don't know if we have it. Oh, we can possibly have it. Uh, so Matthew 7 this is Jesus preaching. Uh, he's just hit the climax of his most famous sermon. This is the end. And he says this, 
not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. See, salvation, it's weird because we've created a culture where it's, it's just as simple as a prayer and you're good to go. You're set for life. And, and we act like salvation is just words. Like it's just saying that Jesus is Lord. And there's some truth to that, but it's not the full truth. Because James says this, who's Jesus' brother. He says in the Bible, even the demons believe that Jesus is God and they're still in hell. And the first time I read that verse, I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that shakes my whole worldview. Like, like, I thought all I had to do was just say this, and I was good to go. But actually, Jesus requires more of us. And he says, those who actually do what the Father commands inherit the kingdom. So it's not, it's partly believing, and then it's also this do part. And see, these people, they're showing up, and they're just, they, they think they got it. They're like, Lord, Lord. Like, I can imagine them strutting up with some confidence, and they're being like, Lord, Lord. And Jesus is like, I don't actually know you and sometimes I've sat there and gone man is it like am I that person well I show up and I'll get a rude awakening that actually you you didn't do what you were supposed to do you're just a fan you were just wearing a jersey you were just playing a part you weren't actually following and so to think about this if you think about it this way that if someone says, I obey my parents, I follow my parents, my parents are my authority, you're like, okay, okay, that's cool. And then you find out that this kid continually disobeys his parents, disrespects them, and pretty much spits in their face. And he's like, well, no, but I still, like, my parents are my authority. And you, really? <laughs> are they your authority? Because it sure doesn't look like they're your authority. The way you live your life doesn't look like they're your authority. Uh, the things you do when no one's looking really doesn't look like your authority. And I think that to think about that with God, it really puts into perspective that, that you can say that God is God and he is your Lord and you follow Jesus. But if your life looks nothing like it, if what you do in the dark when no one's looking is the exact opposite of what he wants, then you've got to sit there and really question, how can I say I follow Jesus if I actually don't follow Jesus? It's more than a prayer. It's more than a belief. It's more than an idea. It's an actual, like, it's physical. It's actually following. So if Jesus walked up back in this time and said, come follow me, it wasn't like the guy would sit there and he'd be like, come follow me. He'd be like, yes, you are Lord. And then he'd just sit there and be like, all right, that's cool. See you, Jesus. I'm glad I'm saved. Jesus would be like, what are you doing? Like, I'm right here. I'm literally saying, when I say follow me, it literally means get up. <laughs> like, come and follow me. Like, we're going somewhere. We're doing something. And the thing is, there's people in the Bible who did this. They were guys who'd be like, there was one guy who's sitting there, and Jesus is like, yo, follow me. You're really cool. Like, I think you could be one of my 12. And he's like, yeah, just let me bury my dad first. And at first, and Jesus is like, no. And he moves on. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus. God just wants to bury his dad. <laughs> come on. Like, can't we, can't we just like, like, give him a little break? Like, can we wait a day or what? But here's the thing. Jesus knows if this guy's going to make excuses now at the very beginning and he's already, like, it wasn't even like he didn't ask, can I bury my dad? He just said, no, I have to bury my dad first. Then I'll, and Jesus is like, no, because he knows later on in life there's going to be more excuses. There's going to be another reason. There's going to be another, you know people like this. It's just another reason, another reason, another reason. See, Jesus, following Jesus is more than just saying you're going to follow me. You have to get up, 
follow him. So Jesus continues. He doesn't live it there. He gives us this analogy. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against that house and it won't collapse because it's built on the rock. So what Jesus is saying is, what I did on the cross, my commandments, is a rock. It's a foundation. And it's up to you as a builder to make a decision whether or not you're going to build your house on this rock. And see, it's, it's totally up to you. You get to build the house. You get to make the decision. And the thing is, with every nail, every small decision, it might seem tiny, but every small decision we make is us choosing whether or not we're going to build on this rock or not. Whether or not this rock is actually the foundation we want to build our lives on. So the house is actually a symbol for our life. And then Jesus talks about the storm coming. And the thing about a house is that if it doesn't last through the storm, it's kind of useless. And so what he's saying is, look, if you build your house, if you build your life on me, on my commands, on my death and resurrection and trust in me, believe that when I died for you and when I rose from the dead, it wasn't just me doing something because I, you, like, you were just supposed to sit there and accept it. It was like, I did it so you could be free. You don't get it. Before you were chained, you were in sin, you were entangled, and now that you've accepted me as your Lord, I have broken these chains. These chains are now broken. You're free from sin, the Bible says. You're set free. And so come and build on the rock. This is what it's supposed to be all along. But the thing is, not everyone wants to build on the rock. And, and hear me when I say this. There are a lot of people who will tell you there are many roads that lead to eternal life. And if you're Christian... You got to take it from the guy who's Jesus when he said, there's only one rock you can build on. Every other thing isn't going to get you through the flood. And so he continues. He tells a second story. He says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it's foolish. He's like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and the flood come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And so here's the thing. Two houses are set up. You can't tell the difference. They look the same. They look like good houses on, on solid foundations. And the only thing that's actually going to bring out which house is on the rock and which is not is, is the storm. It's when Jesus comes back. It says in the Bible that when Jesus comes back, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. And for some of us, that's encouraging because there's so many things we've done in the dark that are beautiful and glorious and worship. We've served people and never said it. We've given money and never gotten any credit for it. And God's going to bring that out to the light. But it's also this other side where it's like, look, if you've been building your house on sand, it's not going to be a good day. The flood's coming. And the flood is going to reveal what you've set your foundation on. And so they look the same, build different. But only the builder, only the one who built it knows the foundation until the storm comes. And I know... I know you're not dumb. <laughs> I've sat where you are. I've thought about it. And I know that some of you are sitting there going, shoot. I thought, I thought I could just get away with it, you know? I thought it was just a little bit of gossip. I thought it was just a little bit of hate. I thought disobeying a parent, my parents wasn't that big of a deal. I thought lying was just a little thing. And you're like, I say with my mouth, Jesus is God, but with my life... My actions, I say the opposite. I say that I'm God. 
I make the rules. I do what I want. And what Jesus is saying, man, it's a really dangerous way to live your life. Because you never know when the storm's coming. And you never know when it's going to rush through. And you don't know if your house is going to stand living like that. And so what he's saying is whether it's big or small, every decision you make is where you're building that house. See, when I was in middle school, I decided, you know what, Jesus is great. I love Jesus. I want to get to heaven, all right? Sounds like a good deal. But you know what? I like being popular. <laughs> I really like having a couple girlfriends at the same time and them not knowing it, which, by the way, terrible idea, boys. They talk, and they'll find out. Just letting you know. Spoiler alert. Girls will find out. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I also don't like getting in trouble. So lying, yeah, it's, it's okay. Like sometimes I need to get out of stuff. Uh, sometimes I need to bully people because I need to elevate myself to make myself feel good. Sometimes I need to do what I want instead of what God wants. And see what happened is I kept living like this. And I was living these two lives, one where it was all for myself and one where I would show up to church and pretend that I was following Jesus. And I lived this life for a long time, maybe five years throughout probably grade five till nine. And eventually, this series, Not a Fan, uh, was one of the things that rapidly changed me because at camp, a guy was talking and he kind of just said, look, like... Just saying Jesus is Lord isn't actually the only thing you're supposed to do. There's actually so much more to Christianity. You don't get it. Like, following Jesus means that you need to follow Jesus. And if you're not doing that, I hate to break it to you, but when the judgment comes, man, your house is getting swept away. And I sat there and I was a mess. I was like, oh, like I was freaking out. I had a massive panic attack in my brain. And I've had a couple of these because I thought about it, and then I would just kind of like shove it down, where I'd be like, oh, God, please don't come back today. It doesn't look like he's coming back. It looks like it's good for another day. I can keep doing what I'm doing. All right. Uh, but, but this time, it really convicted me. And so I met with this guy, and I, I talked to him, and I was bawling, and I never cry. And I was saying, like, dude, here's all the things I'm doing. My goodness. And, and I was bawling because I didn't think God would take me back. I didn't think that after me choosing him and then me rejecting him, that I could never come back. And I was also bawling because I knew, man, if Jesus comes back right now, I'm going to hear that. I don't know you, man. And this guy looks at me and he goes, why are you crying? And I said, well, did, didn't you just hear? I just explained my whole life story. I'm a mess, all right? And he was like, Satan's the only one who wants you to feel like that right now. This is the most freeing words you've ever spoken in your life. And instead of using this to feel more bad about yourself, use this to make you actually follow Jesus. Give your life to him. Give your life to him. Don't just give your words to him. Give your whole life. Let him take control of the whole thing. And so that summer I decided, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. And that doesn't mean, if some of you are saying they're paranoid, that you're perfect. You're not. That's why he died. <laughs> like, can't be perfect. If you could be perfect, there would be no need for Jesus to die. So you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. But the thing is, there's a deep longing inside you where you go, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. And when sin happens, there's like a, re a repentance, which means like a turning, a 180. You don't want to do it anymore. You turn back and start following God again. But man, some of you are like me, where I was, I was living these two lives. And honestly, 
I didn't really want to repent. I want to do my own thing. Some of us sitting here are fans. And that's a scary thing. But I'm telling you, the best decision I made in my life was when I recognized that I was a fan and I went, you know what, enough's enough. This, this sin, it doesn't fill me. I feel no fulfillment. I, I constantly need more. It's never enough. I never have enough. I'm always striving for more. I can never be as popular as I want to be. I can never date as many people as I want to be. I can never be the perfect version of me that I want to be. And the only thing that actually brings me fulfillment now is following Jesus. It's the first time in my life that I have felt fulfilled. Jesus says if you come to him, you won't thirst anymore. You won't hunger anymore. Your sins are going to be washed clean. You're going to be free. You're not going to be craving the things of the world anymore. You're going to be set free. And that doesn't mean there won't be times you're going to struggle. But it means that when you struggle, you're going to have a God who's right beside you helping you out along the way. So with that, I want to ask you three questions. Honestly, sit there. Think. Look at your life. Look at what you do. And I want you to ask yourself, are you actually following Jesus? Are you following him? Is it more than just lip service? Is it more than just saying it? Does your life, what you do, do you actually follow him? Please, it is so important. It, like, you have no idea how much I want you to follow Jesus. You don't understand. There is so much grace and mercy and peace and something that you can never find that you're looking for. And not only that, I don't, man, I don't want this to happen to you. I don't want you to get blindsided. And I didn't want to preach this sermon because it's hard. It's like awkward. I would rather just talk about how great Jesus' grace is. But there's, there's the two. And I also need to talk about how, look, like you could be living a lie. And I don't want that to be you. I want you to know. I don't want you to be caught off guard. So are you actually following Jesus too? Are you willing to build your entire life on him? Not just the bits and parts you like. Not just the parts of Jesus you like. The entire life. Every bit of your life. Are you willing to live it for him? Are you willing to devote yourself to a God who would die for you? Who wants to see nothing more than for you to come home to him? Or are you going to choose, you know what? I like what I'm doing now. I'm going to stick to this. Are you willing to give it all? God isn't going to accept a half sacrifice from you. It's not how it works. It's all or nothing with Jesus. Thirdly, are you going to be a fan or are you going to be a follower? Are you going to be someone in the stands or one of the people out there on the ice playing the game? You guys are going to be able to break off into small groups. I'm going to pray and then you guys can break off. Uh, dear God, I thank you that you are a God who absolutely 100% loves us unconditionally, that you will never stop chasing after us, that you will never stop pursuing us, no matter how much we spit in your face, you will never let go of us. And I thank you, God, that you respect us enough that when we make a choice, that you let it be our choice, and you aren't a hovering parent who's going to force me to do your will, that instead you give me the freedom to choose whether I want to follow you or not. I thank you, God, that, that you're a God who allows us to make a choice. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, Holy Spirit, convict us, that if we are fans, that you would give us the ability to turn and follow you. And God, I pray for those who are following you, you would encourage them that, that they aren't supposed to be perfect, that they will never be perfect, that they never have to feel horrible for their sin because of what you did on the cross. And instead, they should take what you did on the cross and use it as motivation to continue to follow you. God, help us to follow you.
Jesus' name, amen.